Hey, welcome to my basement, everybody. We have an incredible guest today. We're going to be talking all about Street Fighter VI. Yes, Andrew Alfonso is joining me. He is a Canadian game maker who lives in Osaka, Japan, as part of the Street Fighter VI team. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. You and I met in Osaka, I think more than a decade ago. We've been yeah, friends for a very, long time. Very, yeah, yeah. We've I think we've known each other for a very, very long time. Got maybe 10, 15 years ago. Uh, yes. Yeah, but we've never been able to work in a, I guess, in a professional manner like this. No. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually, I'm very happy about it. I'm very happy to like, you know, get on this and, you know, talk to you about, you know, what I do. Yeah, it's amazing. And you're from Toronto yes, originally. Yeah. yeah, I was born and raised in Toronto. I, uh, you know, grew up there, went to uh, Ryerson University, graduated from there. And then right after that, I moved to Tokyo to yeah. teach English and then couple of years after that i was i think i was writing for ign.com as well as a freelancer cool. and then i uh got a job at capcom the localization department as an editor and now i just kind of worked my way up over the past 17 years it's been 17 years at capcom that's i know incredible. that's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of shocking to hear because you know most people like kind of like up and leave after three to five years and well, having I, you know in the North American uh, side yeah, yeah, of North things, American I think it's a bit different yeah. in Japan, right? Yeah, Japan, Japan. Once you get into company, you're kind of like you're you're busy there for life for the most part. Yeah. So, so yeah. seventeen years is a long time. Uh, so, but it's always it's it's been a fantastic trip so far in Capcom. Uh, I've enjoyed every every step of the way. Uh, did you did journey. you move to Tokyo with the dream of getting into games? Was that what you were sort of moving to towards, or did that just happen? Oh no! I think it just happened. I was uh, I I initially went over to uh, Tokyo to teach English because I was in, thinking about going to Teachers College at University of Toronto. Okay. Um, but it's it's a big it's a big investment, as you know, as you probably mm -hmm. know, universities after you know doing you know your after university studies and all that stuff. And I just wanted to see, you know, do I have the you know the, the ability to teach people? So I, can I actually do that kind of stuff? So I decided, okay, let's do one or two years teaching English, see if I'm good at doing this and then i can go to teachers college and then uh, along the way i was uh freelancing for ign.com also yeah. some other gaming magazines and um you know one thing led to another someone gave me a tip about uh an opening at capcom so i just applied for it on a whim and i, I somehow somehow got the job <laughs> that that is amazing what was the first game that you started working on at uh, capcom? uh the first game i worked on was uh mega man star force on the nintendo ds amazing. it was a uh, yeah, it was, it was great. It's like right after, and I, you know, I, I um, I guess you, uh, you as well. You know, I'm a huge Mega Man fan, and yep. I played the the Battle Network games as well. And you know, Capcom just released the Battle Network collection uh, yeah. last month, and you know, I just worked on the um, the installments after that, the Star Force series, and yeah, that was that was amazing to work on. Like that was my very first game. I was like, this is a dream to work on a Mega Man game, and then uh, shortly after that, I started working on Street Fighter Four. Uh, right a couple on. months after that so it was it was a, yeah. kind of a whirlwind tour that first year that was a seminal release street fighter 4 i think really shocked the world with its art yes. style its evolution into 3d fighting in such a dramatic way it was absolutely incredible yeah it was amazing it was an amazing uh title to work on i was actually kind of shocked when i got into capcom and i was they're like so what kind of games do you want to work on i said it'll be great to work on the street fighter game if you guys are working on it and they're like well Come with us let's uh let's show you something i'm like oh <laughs> what <laughs> and you know they showed me some uh early prototype stuff 
of Street Fighter 4 at that time, and it was amazing just to like see that in action. I was like, oh my god, this is going to be great. I want to work on this so oh, bad. That's, that's so dope. Has uh, the Capcom that you've worked at always been in the same facility, the place that you and I met years ago in Osaka? Has it always been the same building? Uh, yep. Yep. It's always been in the same building. Um, yeah. We did have, uh, we did build a completely new dev building like right across the street uh, yep. since that time. Uh, yep. Thanks to the success of like, you know, titles like Monster Hunter and Resident Evil. Yeah. Um, so we have like now two giant dev buildings that house all the dev teams cranking out all these titles. Amazing. Year, year, yeah, because Capcom year. was going through some stuff uh, right around that time. There were developers, famous, you know, successful developers making changes and leaving and starting new studios. I think Clover was winding down right around yeah, that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, Clover was yeah. winding down, and uh, you know they eventually split off, split off to become Platinum Games at that time. Yeah, I just arrived at Capcom just when that kind of change happened, and I, that was kind of shocking for me to hear about that when I first joined. They're like, "Well, all these people are leaving." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, this is this is a shock." But you know, um, you know, Capcom's a huge company. We have a lot of yeah. you know successful brands. I think. There were a lot of, you know, once those people left, there were a lot of, you know, people under them who were really hungry to show what they could do. And sure. you know, it took it took some time to, you know, transition into those kind of roles. But I think uh, Capcom has recovered, you know, really well, you know, Inc ever since. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it really feels, uh, since Monster Hunter World, I think it's been, I, I mean, there's been Resident Evil titles mm -hmm. and Street Fighter titles, but it just feels like, Capcom's and Fuego since Monster yes. Hunter World. <laughs> it, just, it just feels like, oh my God, things are just exploding. Is it? Does it feel like that inside at Capcom too? Is it I, that? I, I think it, booming? it feels. Yeah, it feels very. I, I, it feels very busy, very active. There's a lot of yeah. things happening, and there's a lot of like you know people, you know, who are working on various titles. Uh, you know, especially since you know Monster Hunter World was developed, and that was like one of the titles that I worked on as well as a localization director. Right and on. working on that, it, it was a very, there was like this big, you know, a big like pulse of kinetic energy just buzzing around it. And then when it kind of got released and, you know, people realized just how big this franchise is going to be now yeah. that the game, now that the franchise is, you know, successful overseas, we know what we got to do now for the rest of our titles. So they started like, you know, a re, you know, kind of re-examining uh, what they needed to do for the other franchises. And now it just seems like everything's kind of going full steam ahead with a bunch of other titles, like, you know, especially Resident Evil. We got like, you yeah. know, you know, Resident Congrats Village. on Resident Evil 4. That yeah, was just Resident incredible. Village was, was incredible. <laughs> yeah, Resident Evil Village and 4. I, I don't play Resident Evil because it's too scary for me. I'm <laughs> I'm a I'm a giant chicken. I, I'm a giant baby for, for horror because I can't do it. I'm and you know it's kind of funny because I'm um you know, I'm I'm managing all these uh localization uh, staff under me. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of have to check what they're doing, you know. So, like, so a bunch of my people are working Resident Evil Four, and I'm just looking. I'm looking at their scripts. I'm like, okay, this this looks okay, but I want to check it in game. So I ha I'm kind of like being forced to play Resident Evil right now, and I'm not. I am not having a good time right now because it is just there's just too many jump scares, and I'm I'm asking them, you know, can I can I put on like some debugs for God mode or one hit kill so I could just not deal with this anymore? Do, do it in in low poly. Everything's yeah, gray. Yeah, just do it in like in like a super like I kind of crank up the brightness to like the max so that nothing can get me from like the shadows or anything like that. <laughs> it's a, but yeah, it's Play like, it like, like you're playing it on a Super Nintendo cart. There. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's like it's been amazing. Like how how many how many titles we've been cranking out? Uh, like yep. 
the pace and the quality of it. It's been amazing. Well, yeah. also keeping the fans very happy, which, as we all know, not easy. <laughs> and, not easy, uh, no. And, and they will let you know immediately <laughs> if there's any issues. Uh, but you, it seems like boom, like success after success after success. It's incredible. Is it the same company? Does it feel like the same vibe? Because I had a great vibe when I was there. When I visited, I just thought, man, this is just like a uh, like a testament to creativity. This is like a like a, a, a you know a pillar here. Like they, there's so much incredible work happening out of this out of this company. And that was a long time ago. And so much more has come. Does it feel like the same business as when you first started? It feels it feels the same. It also feels uh, quite different in terms of like in terms of like general attitude with with a lot of people. And I think yep. uh, you know in a Japanese company, a lot of times you know there's this uh, whole mindset that you know you got to you got to work late hours until like ten or eleven p.m. whatnot. Yep. And if you if you don't do that, you're going to get in trouble with your boss and whatnot. And that kind of culture has kind of like completely changed now because oh, that's now good. like they don't they they kind of try to de-emphasize the need to stay late. A lot of people yeah. are leaving. Like I I'm working from nine to five thirty, and that's it. Like five thirty six o'clock, I'm I'm out the door. I'm I'm good to go. That's um, good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of our dev teams, they start at like 10 a.m. So they work until like six. And mm -hmm. most people will just stay until maybe like seven, just wrap things up. But it's like they're not really forced to do anything like that. Um, so that 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 part of the whole company has been has changed for the better. It's been a lot friendlier to the the, the environment is a lot more friendlier now uh, compared yeah. to the past when I was working here, when I was working like, you know, 15 years ago. Um, and I guess there was a, uh, you know, like a, uh, the pressure was on, right. Especially when, uh, you know, the platinum games group left all, a lot of those team members, I would imagine that people mm -hmm. at Capcom felt even more pressure to succeed and, and it's a hit driven industry and everybody was younger. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that across the board, everybody just worked too much, but it's good to hear that that's, because that mindset is really starting to penetrate into North American development, so it's good to hear that it's yes, happening it's, in other parts of the world, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think I think it's uh, you know it just kind of happened naturally because you know um, you know they realized okay we can't push everyone too hard because we're just going to you know get up and leave. Burnout. They're going to leave the company because yeah, yeah. because of burnout. And you know you mentioned before that you know working 10, 15 years in one company is. The norm in Japan, it's starting to not become the norm. People will start mm. leaving after three to five years because they're not satisfied. And so that kind of trend is happening in Japan. Because now Japanese companies realize, okay, if our talented people leave after five years, then we're going to suffer. So we need to treat them better. So yeah. they're getting into the whole practice of making sure that everyone's taken care of, you know. That's great. And, you know, they try to like, you know, schedule stuff, you know, just sit down meetings like, okay, you know, we know this, you're working a little bit too much. You're, you're doing okay. You know, mentally you're okay. You're not, you're not burning out or anything like that. And yeah. that kind of stuff is happening, not only for like the localization team, it's also happening for like, you know, other departments, like, you know, programming and game design and whatnot. It's, uh, you know, Fantastic. it's really good to see. We're going to get into Street Fighter Six. I know everybody that's watching and listening wants all the Street Fighter Six questions. We're going to get into that, but Andrew and I have to catch up. I want to. Yes. There's so much to talk about. This is a really interesting insight, and we talked a little bit about Platinum, which is also based in Osaka, and I yes. love that studio. Um, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since Kamiya and San mm -hmm. and a few of the others had left. 
What's the relationship between Capcom and Platinum Games now? Or, or, or is there a friendship there or a respect there? Do, do you guys intermingle at all? I, I, I'm pretty sure that people in, mingle about like, you know, at the employee level, I think, you know, professionally in terms of like at the company level, we're not really interacting, but I, I don't think there's any bad blood between us. Um, I think cool. also because Platinum seems to be working a lot closer with Nintendo now, they don't really need to worry too much about having to, you know, find other publishers to take their work and publish it for them, right? Because, right. um, you know, they just released, uh, was it Bayonetta Origins uh, yes. this past year? And that's a Nintendo thing. And, you know, so long as they're working with Nintendo, I think they're in a pretty good spot. Um, yeah. But I do know that, you know, there's a there are a, are a bunch of people from Platinum who, you know, meet up time to time with, you know, Cap, you know Capcom people. Um, I think that's so important, yeah. right? I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like every center that there's a lot of studios and a lot of game makers, it's almost like a mini GDC in a way, you know, it's much more social, but I think it's so important to kind of get together and share uh, philosophies and, and perspectives. Yeah, yeah, share the war stories and everything like that. Yeah, for and sure. War stories, really for sure. Yeah. And yeah. we, we actually have um we actually have someone on the Street Fighter 16 uh, who came from Platinum. His name is uh, yeah. Hashimoto-san. And he yep. was, I believe he was the director for uh, Star Fox Zero. And I think he worked on the Bayonetta titles as well. Bayonetta wow, 1 right 2. On. Wow. And I think he he left Platinum to move to Capcom, and he's working on the World Tour mode for uh, Street Fighter Six, like the level design and whatnot. And he's a really really friendly guy, very easy to talk to. And you know, just because you know, just because he came from Platinum doesn't mean we have to treat him any differently. He's just, he's a valid, totally. he's you know he's a talented guy, and so you know we can you know he's in charge of like a really big important part of Street Fighter Six, and you know he was given that because you know he's talented, not you know. We didn't kind of like put him at the bottom of the bottom right. bowl, so to speak, just because he came from somewhere else. He was immediately given his responsibilities because of his talents. And that might be a little bit of a different way that companies are treating each other, I think, in Japan. A bit yeah, I think too. so. Yeah, I think before, yeah. you know, before, if you were going to another company, no matter how good you were at your job, you would just be right at the bottom. It didn't matter. But now right. that's kind of changing. Now people realize, okay, this guy is, this person is good. He's got yep. the talent, he's got the experience and the insight. Let's let's put them at a position where they can actually spread that knowledge to everyone else and you know do, do something good for the companies. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been to Japan a ton over the years, but it's been a few years now. Last time I was there was in 2019. But I, I definitely I, I mean, so much incredible work has come out of Japan, but now we're decades into this medium. And there yes. I think there's gotta be a lot more kind of acceptance that we're here for the long haul and we need each other mm -hmm. to keep going right and it takes right, a lot right. of work yeah <laughs> how and you don't have to be specific about it but mm -hmm. how much bigger of a team is a game like street fighter 6 compared to something like street fighter 4 or, or even street fighter 5 is it, is uh, well, it yeah, magnitudes it's, well, larger i think it's yeah it's magnitudes larger i think uh well i think Compared Street Fighter Six to Street Fighter Four and Five is a little bit unfair because we're Street Fighter Six is just so much bigger in terms yeah. of scope. But like even yeah. like I was the localization director for um, Monster Hunter Four, and yeah. then I was also the, the localization localization director for Monster Hunter World, and those games are like that's like the the main entries for the series, and even the even that staff was just like magnitudes larger in terms of like in house staff, but also like out like you know outsource sure. staff as well it's just yep, like yep. they're incomparable um just because the scope of the games scope of game development has just gotten so big over the past like five six years 
You yeah. just need like hundreds of people to work on it. And like, you know, maybe, you know, 10 years ago, uh, if you're working on PS3 or even like, you know, Nintendo 3DS games, like maybe 100 people would be enough, but that's no longer the case. Yeah. So you don't know everybody's name anymore. I do not know everyone's name. I kind of <laughs> have to look at the seating chart and I kind of have to like, because I'm, you know, um, in Street Fighter 6, I'm like one of the, the section leaders for the game. So yeah. I have to talk to those other section leaders saying, hey, I need to talk about this. Who should I talk to? And they're like, well, talk to this person. I'm like, I have no idea who that is, but I'll look at the seating <laughs> chart and I'll find them and I'll, I'll, I'll go over there and talk to them. But even like China, even Street Fighter 6 has, has like, like it's not just like one floor of dev. It's like multiple floors of dev for, yeah. for this game. So amazing. It's, uh, well, it's big. that's one of the signals of success. Maybe it's a little, there's a little melancholy with it. You're just it growing so big. You yep. can't kind of, can't wrap your arms around the whole team anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't know, you don't really know everyone and everyone kind of, kind of comes and goes too. Like, you know, some people are only here for a couple months just because there's a specific thing that they need to sure. do. And then they got to go to the, to the next project to do, you know, another thing uh, that's happened quite a few times. So I think um the programmer that I was working with on Street Fighter 6, he was, with me from the beginning and he left uh you know he left a couple months ago just to go to another project and so i've kind of been like flying solo by myself it's kind of been kind of sad and uh, sometimes uh, i see him in the hall i'm like hey long time we'll see you know <laughs> have, let's catch up sometime you um you have to work with a lot of outsource companies and yes. i i think a lot of people that follow the games industry have an understanding of what that means it's basically distributed development now right you have got yes, yeah. a partner companies all around the world and when you're talking about an international game that has to be you know localized for different territories and all the uh, approvals and scripts and all of that stuff have to work and is that a part of your workload as well as to kind oh, of yeah, interact yeah, with exactly yeah yeah, that's yeah. like that's probably like about forty percent of my work right there. Just talking yeah. to these like external developers and making sure we get everything you know properly localized into multiple languages. Um, I'm also like doing all the I'm doing the I'm the voice director for the game also, so I'm Amazing. doing all the English voice directing. So I'm talking to studios in Los Angeles to get that done and writing their scripts and making sure that they get all the stuff they need to do their job, and then. Um, sometimes I'm actually on Pacific time because I'm recording and, uh, thanks to COVID, we haven't been able to fly out to, uh, right. the States for, for recording. So I've had yep. to do everything remotely. So I've been like waking up sometimes at three o'clock in the morning to do recording and wow. then going until like 11, uh, you know, full day recording and then working until like 3 PM just to do, you know, like my usual localization translation work. That's been a that, that that doesn't happen all the time, of course, because if that did, yeah. I would have been I wouldn't be here talking to you <laughs> right now. But it you know uh, for it, 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 there was a there was a spell where I had to like kind of gun it for a while. Well, and we're going to get into that for a second here, but I think you guys did it to yourself with all of this recording, with, with the idea yes. of like customizing your commentary and pulling in different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is not an easy task. I, I do want to ask one last question before we get into the Street Fighter Six okay. stuff, and that is ab about the city of Osaka, which I think is yes. a, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. Every time I've been, I've just had an incredible time there. Ben Judd took us all around. He's mm -hmm. a really fantastic guy. Um, but uh it felt also like it's a very game friendly, like a video game friendly town as well. Is there an awareness of the creativity coming out of video games in the city? Oh yeah, I think, I think you can find it in all just all sorts of like little pockets within Osaka. There's um, 
you know, there's a lot of actual gaming bars like you could find like in downtown Osaka. Um, yeah. They kind of like. I went to like, one of those. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And like you know, it's kind of those things are kind of cool because they kind of replicate like the old family basement vibe with like you know the green red carpets and then sit down on like cushions and play like your Super Nintendo games and whatnot. That's really I cool. Love it. And you know, we have our own version of Akihabara in Osaka called Denden Town. So that's that's a thing, and you can find like all sorts of gaming stuff there. Um, there's also like a bunch of retro arcade just scattered across the city. Yeah. Um, I think there's one close to Sutenkyaku, which is the big tower in Osaka. And they have like, I think, older versions of like Street Fighter and Final Fight and other arcade games. I know they have like the, the pirated version of Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter like Rainbow Edition or something like that, where oh, you can like wow. kind of change characters like just by pressing the start button and stuff like that. And That's it's like. Cool. It's all yeah, it's all it's all over the place in the city. It's uh you know it's a really friendly vibe. I uh, I spent you know two years in Tokyo, uh, teaching English, and then I moved to Osaka. And I I prefer Osaka a lot more to Tokyo. I think to- Tokyo is is a kind of a a city that's too big for me. It, it's and, a hard town to wrap your mind around. Yeah, yeah, Tokyo, yeah. It's just, Tokyo it's just is incredible gigantic. to go to, but it's just like. Yeah, it's just it's an overwhelming city. It's kind of like well, it's like going to London or New York. It's just like yeah, yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, Osaka Osaka is a lot smaller. It's, it's more like it uh more like Toronto or Vancouver in terms of size, right? Right. And yeah. it's just a vibe. So I found it I found it a lot easier to get a, you know accustomed to you know everything in Osaka compared to Tokyo. So yeah. I love it here. Yeah. That's awesome. So you're 17 years or 18 years in, in uh, uh, Japan now? 17 uh, in Japan. So gonna oh actually let me let me check my calendar. Oh, it's gonna be uh next month is gonna be my 19th year in Japan actually. Wow. So it's been yeah it's almost two decades. I'm I'm getting close to like half my life in Japan, which That's is a incredible. very scary. It's a very scary thought. <laughs> Do you did you dream that for you or did it work out that way? No, it just worked out the way I had no, I had no intention of leaving Canada at all. I, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, work in Toronto and get a house in Toronto and do all that kind of, you know, family stuff. I had no intention yeah. of like ever moving to another country. It just kind of worked out like that. That's so cool though. That's awesome. So yeah, are, are do you have Japanese citizenship? Are you a, a citizen? Uh, no, I, no, I'm uh, I have my, I have a permanent residence, so I can just, you know, yeah. stay here for as long as I want to, but I'm still, you know, fully Canadian. Um, I'm married, so I have a, also a daughter. She's a, for the time being, she's a dual citizen, so she's got her citizenship for Canada. Cool. So that's all taken care hey, of. You know, I yeah. I know people that are going to be listening to this or watching this are going to wonder about that. And what would you say to people that that are you know aspire to teach in Japan or make a move like that? Well, what what, what advice or piece of wisdom would you give to people that I, might I would be thinking like, about that? I think the only thing would be just like. Um, just keep an open mind about everything also because you know just Japanese culture is very just really really different compared to Canadian culture in a lot of yeah. ways and it, it, it also has some similarities to it I think because um, my my wife who's Japanese she's just like oh Canadians are a lot like Japanese people I'm like well okay well whatever that, that's you know we do have some you know there are some uh, similarities but I think in terms of customs how you're supposed to talk to people and all that kind of stuff it's just very different right and you just need to keep an open mind and just kind of you know go you know go along with it someone tells you this is how things are done in japan then just go with it and kind of try to see you know if you can get used to it um i think the only other option only other thing piece of advice i would say is like just learn japanese as soon as possible because 
I came to Tokyo with zero Japanese knowledge. So the first five months in Japan、oh、was just was just horrendous for me because I <laughs> I couldn't even order at McDonald's for God's sake.、Oh, like、wow. I I had to like look at the menu and point at stuff. I want this. I want this Big Mac. Combo right here, and, and that <laughs> wasn't the the smartphone culture that we have now. That was not the have, smartphone culture. Yeah, you've got all like, kinds yeah, of translation apps and everything that was now. Not even like 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 YouTube was not even a thing back then either. <laughs>、yeah. So even just like studying, I had to I had to just like get a get a dictionary from the from like a, a bookstore, paper dictionary, a、oh、paper dictionary, and a paper textbook, <laughs> and just learn. And like it was,、uh, I I I remember like the, the most vivid memory I have like the first year in Japan was me. Sitting in a、uh, restaurant、uh, after six months, I was just I just got fed up with not knowing Japanese,、yeah. and I just went to a a twenty four hour. And this is a thing in Japan, like restaurant. Some restaurants are open twenty four seven, so you can just stay、yeah. there for the whole night. And I、wow. would finish. I would finish teaching for the day. I would go to that restaurant and order just like a drink and like maybe like a hamburger or something, and just stay there for five hours studying Japanese for like good for you for like three. Four months until I could get to the level where I could actually communicate, and that that took about a, that took about a year for me to That's do. That's fantastic. And、um, and now, are you fully like backwards, forwards, fluent? <laughs> are do you, are are you like? Can you pass as a Japanese person now when you're walking around the street?、Uh, if I don't say anything, I can pass for a Japanese person. But if I if I open my mouth, then yeah, it's it's pretty apparent. I'm still a I'm still Canadian.、Um, yeah, like I, I can do, like I can do my job. I can translate. I can interpret,、uh, you know, conversations. I can interpret actually business meetings in Capcom. Also, that's part of my job as well.、Um, yeah, but it's very apparent, you know, when I talk, like you know, I'm not a native speaker, but that's okay because people, especially people at Capcom, they're really like, they're really、uh, forgiving about that kind of stuff. Like they know, sure,、okay, you know, Andrew is not native, so we'll try to, you know, try to understand what he's trying to say as much as possible. That's、and、cool. they kind of they kind of work around they they kind of work with it and that's kind of deal with all the localization directors too. We're not native speakers, but we、yep. can get our point across so that they will you know,、um, you know, they will have some forgiveness there, which is which is really great. They appreciate the efforts. They appreciate the effort, yeah, and they appreciate、yeah. the fact that you know, you know. Translating from English to Japanese is really difficult, but you know what they're saying from Japanese to English, we can do that perfectly, so that they know okay, what they want to say, what they want to communicate, is going to be you know interpreted like、uh, accurately to whoever they're speaking to. That's、so、very cool. They they appreciate that, and they know that you know what they can trust us with that kind of that kind of work. We're going to roll into the Street Fighter、uh, section of the program now,、okay. uh, but you have—you、um, uh, know—this is obviously a global brand, and it's—you're—you're I mean,、yep. you're talking about global fighters and stuff. But I would imagine that you're handling all the English-speaking territories around the world, sort、mm-hmm. of managing all that localization. Do you have colleagues that are handling? The French and the German and the Italian. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. All, we have.、Um, are they all headed up there, or do they all work with you in Osaka? The large, how, the how large do majority. Yeah, the large majority of our staff is、uh, internal. So we have like,、um, we have about forty people in our localization department right now, and so we、okay. handle like we handle Chinese, Korean, Arabic,、uh, French, Italian, German, Spanish,、um, all internally. Wow. And so. You know, once I finish with my English localization for the game, I hand it over to those languages, and so they get started working on that.、Um, and we also so you, so you guys could actually cosplay as Street Fighter characters. 
we you probably could actually could yeah i'll probably <laughs> you know given my size and everything i'll probably have to go see honda but <laughs> we'll get a we'll get our french person to uh to show up as uh manon the new character for street fighter 6 that's um, awesome yeah but that, yeah we uh we uh we work very closely with the dev team because i actually i'm actually sitting literally like two two seats away from nakayama-san who's the director for street fighter 6 yep. so whenever i have a question i could just ping him i have um the cool. scenario writer for Super Six right behind me. So if I have a story-related question, I could just ask him for clarification. So it all kind of goes through me. And then whenever uh, some of my colleagues have some questions, I kind of just round them up and ask the team for them and then you kind of disperse the knowledge to everyone else. That's amazing. And so 40 people handling localization on this game, that's probably bigger than the size of the original Street Fighter Two team probably yeah i'm, I'm guessing whole, so the yeah. whole thing <laughs> yeah the whole localization team probably outnumbers the whole this whole street Fighter to development team yeah for sure <laughs> which is it's crazy that's <laughs> how far things have come okay well the story mode i think seems like the perfect place to start because okay. world tour it, it well there's three major modes in street fighter 6 yes yes there's three major modes yes so we have the world tour mode which is kind of like yep. our single player story-based uh, campaign mode Mm -hmm. um, it's more like an open world, you know, kind of do what you want to do uh, kind of mode, which is really cool. It's kind of a first for the Street Fighter series. Yeah. Uh, we have the Battle Hub, which is like an online only experience where you kind of meet up with your fans, you know, do, you know, uh, you can do matches in Street Fighter 6 or you can do, you can play other games, do other kind of like, you know, cool little things there. And then you have Fighting Ground, which is like the, the traditional Street Fighter mode where, you know, you do arcade mode, go through each character's story, or you can do one-on-one -on -one versus, you can also do like, you know, online matches with other people in, in ranked matches or casual matches. Uh, so yeah, it's basically like, kind of like making like three- like It's games three games. One, three <laughs> games in one, basically. That, that's what I saw when you guys did the showcase. Yeah. I'm like, holy crap, look at how much stuff is yeah, in this yeah. game. It's an unbelievable. It's And and it was like, uh, and no, wait, there's more. It just was felt like one of those old videos. It's like, no, yeah, we yeah, got yeah, this, exactly. we got that, we got this. It was freaking me out. I couldn't believe it. Um, so let's let's start with when a person boots the system, the console of, okay. of their choice that they're going to play. What are they going to see? Are we right into the story right from the very beginning? Oh, no, you... you're going to like right when you boot the game, you're going to be presented with the three modes, World Tour, Battle Hub and Fighting Ground. So you get to choose what you want to do, because, you know, we do have a, a wide audience, you know, thanks to right. Street Fighter right. being around for almost three decades now. You know, yeah. there are people who just want to Congratulations. focus on. Thank you. Uh, there's only, you know, there's going to be some people who only want to focus on the competitive esports side of Street Fighter, so that's where they right. can do fighting. They can do fighting around there. You're going to mm -hmm. have some people who want to just you know hang with their friends and you know just play some casual matches. That's what Battle Hub is for. And there are some people who are you know they're not really interested in the competitive nature of Street Fighter. They like Street Fighter in terms of the, the characters and the world and the lore, and so that's what World Tour is about. So That's great. depending depending on what your tastes are, what you want to you know experience, you know you choose one of those three modes. And you know obviously you know if you're a competitive player, sometimes you just don't want to do, you know grind it out every yeah. day. You want to like, kind of take a break and you know do some mindless fun. So you know they might go to World Tour one time, and then you know that single player World, world Tour player might want to be like, okay, well I want to hang out with my friends and play some Street Fighter, so they'll go to the Battle Hub. And whatnot. So th there is always going to be a choice, right? When you start up the game. Was this concept, the world tour mode, uh, was this something that the team 
has been thinking about for years and this was the, the iteration to finally take that leap i think they were they had this idea in their mind for quite a few quite a long time because i remember yeah. um when i was working on monster Hunter world uh nakiyama-san the director he actually um was talking to me about this like this kind of concept he didn't really he did it was kind of like an idea in his head like you know what if we did this what if we did this kind of yeah thing. and i yeah. thought I, th I thought it sounded really cool and I just told him, yeah that sounds amazing you should do that and so you know that that's been in the works for a very very long time and it's you know it's great that we were able to get it done with street fighter 6 right it's great to see it come into fruition basically so when you jump into the mode you're creating your character and you're going into a gym and you start you start training and and basically get the ticket to go and cruise around the streets and prove yourself is that kind of the way it is yeah that's what it is and I, like the whole story of uh, world tour mode is you know you're a fighter who's seeking strength you want to know the answer to the question you know what is strength that's the whole mm, like cool. you know vibe with with uh world tour mode so yeah like just as you said and uh, you know people can play the demo right now because the single player demo is out now you can you know you'll start off in the gym with uh one of the new main characters luke and yeah he's going to kind of train you at the beginning but then he's just going to kind of let you loose into the wild so that you can go around and do whatever you want to and it's kind of funny like right off the bat he just tells you, you know everyone in this city fights we can fight fighting is like fighting is the the basic form of communication in this world so it's like saying hi with your fists kind of thing and so you can like literally like go up to like a grandma and be like hey i want to fight you and then you have like a street fighter fight right around the streets and everyone comes around to like cheer you on and stuff like that but you know that that kind of like you know very fun you know goofy stuff is one part of the you know one part of the world's world mode but there is an actual storyline that players will navigate throughout the uh course of the mode and there's going to be like a bunch of other like you know mini games that you can play uh there's also uh, a lot of like you know sub quests sub side quests that you guys that you know players can get into which uh features some uh some pretty like uh obscure characters from the street fighter universe i think right. uh, some people are gonna like you know encounter some characters and be like i think i remember that character from this game or this game and we're gonna be able to flesh out a lot of these characters and also just street fighter you know universe in general it just becomes it, a lot more detailed you know when i see it andrew and i haven't touched it i didn't i haven't had time to download the demo i'm, I'm waiting for the review code and i can't wait to review it but when i see it i think that it is like the it's like the full idea the full concept of going 3d with street fighter and you guys went 3d mm -hmm. with street fighter 4 but now it's like what 3d means like we're going into the backgrounds we're going to see the people that would normally populate the 2d fighting but we're going to actually interact with them and we're going to you know come at all of these different wacky angles of street fighter fun from a more fleshed out three-dimensional vantage point it's really like we're taking you know the the two-dimensional angle that we've had and we're really going into that world and i mean that's a simplistic way to kind of define it but that's what i see when i when i see the game in action you know yeah i think i think you're exactly right i think there's just so many like little humorous touches here and there in the you know traditional 2d street fighter that everyone kind of notices but yeah. we're not really able to like interact with but now with street fighter 6 and world tour mode 
you know, all these little touches here, there's, we're able to replicate that in, you know, full 3D. And now you're able to like, kind of like fully immerse yourself in the Street Fighter world, you know, it's, it's no longer brilliant. just a back. Yeah, it's no longer just a backdrop. It's like it's the world you're in it now. That's kind so of what. Are, what are you guys hearing from the fans and maybe the non-fans? Maybe the people that used to be fans or you know they're just not hyper competitive. So that, mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. Like you have this core group of people that just play for fun, and then you've got these hyper, you know, like know every combo, know every move, elite player out there. What are people saying about World Tour? What are you guys hearing? I think back? that the vibe has been very, very good for World Tour mode. I think a lot of people have like, kind of like understood what we are doing now. Like when we yeah. first kind of revealed um, World Tour mode, like last year with the first couple of trailers, people kind of got kind of got an idea of like, okay, they're kind of going for this kind of vibe. But now that the demo is out, people have gotten their hands on it. They kind of really understand. Okay, this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to like mix all these kind of different like gameplay elements you know you have like you know battles are still conducted on a 2d plane just like in traditional street fighter but you're navigating the world in a full 3d environment just like an open world or a third you know third person view game i think it's like a a huge marriage of just all these different elements that come together to make something that's you know kind of familiar for on many on many different services but at the same time because you're kind of combining them into one package, it kind of becomes a very fresh and unique take on, you know, the world, like the, the open world, uh, you know, concept as well, right? Um, yeah. I think that's what the, the vibe has been, at least from what I've seen on like you know, online and on forums and stuff like that. That's great. Well, the other thing that that I, I think makes this a like a true 3D experience in, in you know the full sense of the word is that it, it isn't one city. <laughs> Because Street Fighter yes, has never yes. just been one city. We're actually bouncing around. And when I saw that, I'm like, "Holy crap!" I, 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 could, I didn't know that. That's what we were doing. We're going to all different parts of the world, just like you do in the 2D game. But now you can run around in all of these different. Right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, we we do have like it. We do have like one, one other big world, which is called Naishal. It's a fictional country that's based in Asia, and that's kind of that's just as big as Metro City. The, the initial city that you start off in world tour and there's also the other uh stages from fighting ground we kind of trans- we kind of brought them to world tour mode so they're not um you know fully 3d like metro city and Shell, but you can still walk around them on like a kind of uh 3d plane as well so that so you know cool. when you go to japan you're you're gonna be traveling to genpu temple which is a real stage from uh, fighting ground so you can see him in the background and you go up to talk to him and start off his like kind of quest line to become his disciple and learn all his moves and then you can go to uh you know the chebeka stage of bathurst beach and you know bj will be there just you know chilling out on a, on a car and you can go talk to him and you know start his quest line so it's a that's very awesome. expansive world yeah that's incredible i cannot wait to dive into that now you mentioned something in fighting ground and that is kind of playing through the single player uh, story mode of yes. these different characters. Is it the same story from World Tour? Are you reusing cut sequences uh, or assets, no, or is it no, a di- they're, different? They're, they're two separate, two separate. So modes. it's like a full separate game, like you yeah, said. yeah, yeah. Basically, 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 <laughs> basically, World Tour mode is basically like you know, it's basically your story. That's that's yeah. what it is. It's your avatar story as they you know grow in strength and become stronger as a character, and mm-hmm. you know you can meet you'll meet. The Street Fighter characters and 
you know, they'll help you get stronger because they'll teach you uh, their moves and their styles. And when you talk to the Street Fighter characters, you'll, you know, learn more about their backgrounds as well. And it's really, really cool. It's almost like, um, it's it's very much like a persona in that sense where Wild. you know you you build you build you know links social bonds with um the legendary fighters yeah and they'll kind of like drop more lore bits for you which is really really amazing cool. yeah. but then like arcade like fighting ground arcade mode that's basically the canon storyline for each of those legendary fighters so um cool. when you go to arcade mode and you go into story mode that's going to be um, you can go through Ryu's story, you can go through Chun Li's story, and uh, you know, Kimberly's story and whatnot. So you get their official storyline for the game. So it's like Very two cool. different storylines going on at the same time. Uh, that's amazing. Um, let's get the timeline sorted for people out there that might be curious. Where does this, the the world of Street Fighter Six and the time of Street Fighter Six take place? Mm -hmm. So if, I can't tell you the exact. A number of years but i do know that it takes place after street fighter 3 and okay. before like street fighter 3 was always considered the end of the street fighter like timeline for that's right. been that's been that's been like that for very long but now they decide okay street fighter 6 is going to be after street fighter 3 so and this is kind of obvious when you see some of the characters that come up in street fighter 6 growing beards uh, and stuff yeah growing beards and whatnot chun is a little bit a yeah. little bit more elegant and a little bit older in appearance you know and you have um some of the characters like uh, Lee Fan, she's uh, Chun Li's uh, adopted daughter, and in Street mm -hmm. Fighter Three, she was just a little girl, like about you know three or four. But now in Street Fighter Six, she's like about teenage age, around there. You'll see the, this, these kind of like little hints about where uh, the game is in the timeline just by interacting with the characters. That's awesome. I actually have some questions from different social media places, but one of them is from Bear Safi at Baruti on Twitter. And he says, Street Fighter Six includes the original eight world warriors from Street Fighter Two. With this being the first game that takes place after Street Fighter Three, are there plans to bring back a group of characters from Third Strike? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's going to be some super no, no. fans that have a few, <laughs> few questions. Totally cool. Okay, so... Fighting Ground is going to be a, a very familiar for people that have dropped in, dropped out of Street Fighter games over the course of years. Yes. It's going to feel like a traditional Street Fighter experience. World Tour opens it up in a whole different dynamic. But let's talk a little bit about Battle Hub, um, which is your social space for people to collect and for you to jump online, is there a local component to Battle Hub too? Like, can you uh, go no, in with two people? Or yeah, there's no? no local no local component to Battle Hub. It's just online only, so you okay. can only have one person at a time. There's no local thing there, unfortunately. Okay. All right. So one of the cool things, I mean, obviously you can meet and challenge each other, and you can set up the game in a bunch of different ways, right? You can basically customize the the combat in a myriad of different ways and jump in, turn it almost into a party experience. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things yes. that you guys were talking about. Yeah, pretty much. Which is yes. so, which is so cool. I mean, you can have the traditional fights, and you know, can be ranked and not ranked, and all of that stuff, which is amazing. Um, but you can also get goofy with it if you want to just have fun. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's like, I mean, you bring basically your avatar from World Tour mode. You can bring you bring them into the battle hub, and you know, you interact with other players like that. So, um, I don't know if you've seen some of the uh, more. Uh, Curious designs. I'm gonna say curious, not to offend anyone. Some of the most cur <laughs> curious designs that some people have made up, but there's some really, really cool avatar designs that people have made up with the demo and also the the uh, the beta tests that we had in the past. Um, but you know, you're gonna be able to um, customize your character's appearance, like their their clothing and whatnot. So when you go into world tour mode, 
you're going to be able to purchase like clothing and whatnot through just in-game currency. Like, you know, you you beat a grandma on the street, she drops like hundred bucks. So you go go to the store and buy you buy yourself a new hoodie kind of thing. And then that that clothing is going to be uh, something that's displayed in the battle hub when you go there. So, um, cool. you know, you can show off your cool coordination to other players. Um, battle hub also has this really cool club feature. So you can create a club with your friends and then when you do that, you can actually make your own club uniform, which is really cool. So it's basically like being part of like, a, you know, a hockey team or a soccer team. That's and, great. You know, design your own uniform, and then everyone in that everyone in that club will have access to that. So you can literally like take over a battle hub server with everyone dressed in your you know club uniform and just awesome. you know you know running around doing whatever. It's really really cool to see. <laughs> That's that's really cool. Uh, the thing that caught my eye because I'm a retro nut is all of the arcade games that you have in Battle, Battle Hub. How how yep. are those going to work? Are they going to be unlocked, or do you unlock them, or do you have to buy them and download them? How how are we going to have access to all those so arcade from, games? Uh, so from what I know, uh, they're they're available in the Battle Hub and they're on a rotation there. So oh, okay, um, so they're going to be rotated out like you know every now and then, and it's, it's kind of apparent once you interact with the game cabinet, it'll say like. You know, this game is available from this time to this time. And then after that, new game is actually um, that's cool. you know, swapped in. And are um, they the full full games or are they it's uh, demo? It's the full, like, full, full, full arcade game. That's so yeah, cool. Full, yeah. So just one one thing, though, it is the arcade versions. Like, you know, yeah. um, there's, for example, um, Street Fighter 2. And so it's not going to be the Street Fighter 2 from the Super, Super Nintendo yeah. versions where, you know, you can... Do a bunch of like customization with the options and whatnot. It's just going to be the arcade versions. So yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, you have to understand that there are going to be some limitations because of that. But um, yeah, you'll still, be able to. Yeah, it's that's it's amazing. Cool to see. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this real time commentary, which is also. I mean, it's like one mind blowing feature after another with this freaking game. But I've never seen anything like this, where there's actual esports commentators mm. are adding their own commentary to matches so like the recording of that must have been and you're probably still recording that are you still recording uh <laughs> like, i can't there's say, must I can't be say no... recording that but uh it was it was a gigantic uh gigantic effort um that was basically like myself i did i did all the script writing myself and i was, did the voice directing um wow. i was all i was working with a uh sound designer and a game designer on that to get everything just right. Um, so you start a match and you can choose the voices of the people that are going to comment on right. the match. Yes, you can choose. You can choose a play-by-play -play, uh, from four people, and then you have also have your color commentators, another mm -hmm. uh, different set of four people. Um, and then there are some other like little options, like you have this uh, option called rally support. So if you turn that on, and let's say that you make a mistake in the match or you lose a round, then the commentator is actually going to try to give you some inspiration, some encouragement. Like, you know, it will be like, don't worry about the loss, you know, just, you know, pick yourself That's back so up cool. and just kind of That's refocus. Awesome. So they kind of they kind of give you an encouragement. And some people have been, I saw some people like online uh, getting really into that. They're like, wow, this guy is like, yeah, he actually has my back. He's, you know, giving me some, some, uh, some support while I'm in this match. It's, it's so, awesome. It's so clever. It's so humanizing too, right? Because you're working with the people that you guys must work with in reality, on the Capcom World Tour, right? Or oh, the yeah, fighting yeah, yeah. tours, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that, that was actually one of the things that we were talking about um, when we first started working on the commentator stuff. Like, who are we going to get for the commentators? Because, you know, they're wondering, okay, do we go with the 
you know, traditional esports commentators that we've been using on the Capcom Pro Tour, or yeah. that we try to get like you know celebrities or whatnot to, you know, do these commentary lines, and you know I, I felt that you know it's better to go with the esports commentators that we use yes. on the Pro Tour. You know, yeah. just to promote synergy, but also have a familiar voice because a lot of people who are going to turn on this commentary are going to be people who are more focused on the fighting ground aspect of the game. They're going to be a little sure. bit more serious, and sure. they're probably watching tournaments, you know, online anyways. So to have those players um, have their matches commentated on by the actual commentators. It's fantastic. It's really cool. I think. I I think every fighting game is going to do that. Are you are you cool with every fighting game stealing that idea? Because uh, it's can, such a good that. idea. Yeah, they can do that. But we we uh, there's there's a patent on it. So oh, <laughs> very good. Good luck. That's awesome. Uh, so it's not just. So that says that it's not just you. You recorded a bunch of stuff, and and if no, this there's, equals there's whole, that. Yeah. There's yeah. a whole mechanism behind it. I'm not going to get into it because we 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 are actually going to talk about it um, maybe sometime in the summer in in Japan. Uh, yeah. We have a talk. We have a talk lined up to explain the system. It's only going to be in Japanese, but I'm I'm yeah. hoping to talk about it uh, at GTC next year. If Amazing. Possible. Yeah. Um, but I think people are going to. Yeah, when you look at the feature set for this game, it looks like nothing was cut. Uh, you know, did you? It looks like every idea you guys could possibly add to ship a game went up on the board, and you said, "Yep, we're gonna." I, I mean, it it a lot of it just looks impossible to me, but you guys have been able to achieve it all in one game. Was this yeah, yeah, something that was on the bubble? Were you guys always sure you could uh, pull this off? Other the commentary stuff, no, that yeah. the commentary stuff that was that was always going to be a thing. I think that's what they they're really um really pushing for. Uh, and I'll I'll, I'll I'll admit, like right off the bat, they. When I first joined the team, they're like, "So we're gonna do this commentary thing." And as soon as they said commentary, I was like, and my eyes just kind of bugged out. And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> really? No, because <laughs> because you know, um, you know, so, especially for localization, just because um, you know we're not focused on just one aspect of the game. We have to kind of touch everything yeah. in the game because you know yep. there's so many like you know there's like you know dialogue, there's menus, there's voice yes. and everything. We're touching so many things." So like the kind of like the gears start grinding in your head when someone starts talking about adding something and in localization, you're kind of like trying to figure out just how big of an effect this is going to have on everything else. I mean, that's so much information right? you're conveying to yeah, the player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And so like, yeah, they talked, they, they, they were like, so we're going to do this commentary thing. And I kind of like, as soon as they said that, I was just kind of like calculating my head. And like within five seconds, I, I was just like, "No, I don't want to do this because because I'm just I'm like I'm like so afraid that this is going to be just such a such a gargantuan task. I didn't know if I could do it or not. Truly, yes, yeah. But then they 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 showed, they showed it to me, and like I didn't I didn't say no as in like I don't I'm not doing it. I was like, uh, I was just half joking. You're, like, oh my god, like you guys, are you're nuts, scared. Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. It's and what's crazy is that that's not the main feature. Like in yeah, almost any feature. other year, that would be like the highlight component of like, this is what we did this. But it's just like, yeah, we also added, I mean, that's what that's what drove me crazy about the, the last reveal, you guys. It's like, holy crap. How did you do all of this stuff in one yeah, fighting yeah, yeah. game? No, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, when we started doing the commentary stuff, um, so we were doing it and uh, to be honest, I didn't know if we were going to be able to pull it off. We were like, we're, really hard on it and yep. we just finished uh recording 
um, the first block of lines with our first commentator, whose uh, nickname is Vicious. That's yep. Jeremy, Jeremy Lopez, uh, Jeremy Mitchell. Yep. And yep. we had to, we put it into the game. And uh, we started playing it. And then we, like, we we're doing all the matches. We just had, like, you know, computer versus computer matches just to see, like, how many lines we could tr- kind of trigger. And it was amazing, like, how well it kind of turned out. I was, I, I, like, personally, I was shocked. I didn't That's cool. realize it was going to be this good. And then um, the producers also were watching this at the same time I was. And they said, they were like, okay, we can... We can we can promote this. This is something that we can, you know, totally. make a trailer yeah. and promote it. And that was actually not in the cards at the beginning. They didn't, right. they didn't know if that's going to be a feature that they wanted to promote or not. But yep. because of how well it turned out, they're like, okay, we'll make a trailer for this, and we'll we'll highlight all the commentators so that you know it'll be a whole thing unto itself. Right on. Which is really which is really good good to hear. How how were the like? This must be like the greatest tribute to their work for the commentator they must just be over the moon that they're in yeah, the they, game. Were, they were there they were going nuts and it was it was, it was yeah. hilarious because when i i was the one who contacted them and um you know pitched the whole idea to them and whatnot and they were kind of looking at me like you are joking right you're lying <laughs> you're, you're not doing this and I thought, we're doing we're doing it and so we did it and they were actually uh very very nervous when we were recording the first couple of days because they didn't know yeah. if they were doing a good job or not. Because, um, you know, commentating on live matches sure. is yes. a very reactionary thing. Yes, it's very absolutely. different from doing a pre-recorded thing, different techniques so, to, to, to understand. And totally. so they didn't really know if they can pull it off or not. And <clears throat> we had a very fantastic uh, voice director in the studio uh, helping them out, coaching them along the way. And then once we got into the game, and we were happy with it. We got them into a Zoom meeting to show them some footage, and they just went ballistic. They're like, "Oh my god, this is some... I remember all these lines and everything like that." And oh, that's so from, cool. Yeah, from from that point on, they were like totally into it, and they're like, "Okay, they they kind of understood more about wow. you know the whole feature and what it meant for them to be." I in that I, game. I truly believe it's going to be like a uh, like a watershed moment for fighting games. And it's going to be very difficult for companies to not make something approaching that, you know, whether or not yeah. they can, because I, I, it just seems so cool. Now, is AI a part of that discussion, or you know, are uh, you guys? I don't believe. I don't believe so. I think it's all. I think it's just um, mainly just handled by just like uh, traditional programming techniques. So there's no AI Amazing. involved in it. Um, like yeah, the whole like I said, the whole there's a whole mechanism behind it too. To decide like you know what kind of li- what kind of lines get triggered because um the whole um thing about this commentary and this is very unlike a game such as like the nhl games or the madden games where yep. um the lines just kind of like trigger whenever i think mm-hmm. um as the matches progress so you know you, have, you know you have your traditional round one round two round three and <clears throat> naturally the you know the action will get more and more frantic you know, you know, yeah get through the later rounds so that means round one should always be kind of like low-key not so not so shouty whatnot yeah round two yeah. is a little bit more excited but then round three has to be you know kind of like screaming oh, level kind of thing right? i can't wait and so there's a whole mechanism to decide okay this is where the match is like they kind of like look at you know what kind of attacks have been thrown what kind of things have been performed by both players to determine yep. okay this is where they are in the match 
and then decide this is the line to trigger i think so that that whole mechanism is, is really cool so okay let's get back into like the core parts of the game how many characters are people going to get when they turn on the, the game for the very first time uh, i believe there's going to be 18 characters right can start uh okay. so there's the traditional first uh eight characters from the original street fighter 2 they're all cool. in there and then we have um some characters that are returning from the later games such as uh jury you know she appeared in street fighter 4 and street fighter 5 so she's back um there are some new characters there's a bunch of new characters actually so we have um you know kimberly she's our cool like like little ninja star character you have jamie yeah. who's a uh He's a very young Chinese drunken boxer. You have Luke, who kind of guest appeared in Street Fighter V. He's back for Street Fighter VI. Um, you have one of my favorites, Marisa, who's a gigantic uh, Italian female like juggernaut of a character. Just yeah. really, really cool. You have uh, JP, who is kind of serving as kind of like the final boss for the game, and uh, in re you know replacing uh, M Bison. So right. he's got he's got a, a very different vibe to him. Um, cool. You have Lily, who is. Uh, Kind of a take on uh, T Hawk from Street Fighter uh, Street Fighter Two, but kind of they're from the same tribe. They're not related, uh, yep. but they become from the same tribe. So she has uh, basically the same move set as he does. Cool. And then you have uh, Manon, who is a uh, French judo cop, but she's also a uh, a model. Same time, so a runway model. So she's got a whole different vibe going on with her. So you got yeah, you, got, you got a whole like whole vast like variety of characters to start off with and then there's dlc planned i know rashid i think is one of the first ones is, is he uh, coming yeah in rashid's gonna yeah rashid's coming in the summer and then you're gonna yep. have um i love that character he's cool yeah yeah it'll be uh he's he's fantastic and the voice actor from is oh just a fantastic guy i love for him um then you have um aki who's gonna be a totally new character she's coming in um autumn this year and cool. then you have ed from street fighter 5 he's gonna show up uh next year winter and then yeah everyone's favorite akuma will be coming next spring next year spring. right on and so that's as far as we've that we know about right now yeah that's as far as we're, we have announced so far yes right and, and the game is going to be a part of the pro tour going forward uh, yep it's yep, the main gonna... part of the pro tour yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be the main game on the pro tour. So they're gonna start uh, the festivities uh, later this year, um, and the Capcom Cup is gonna be held next year. And they just announced uh, at this year's Capcom Cup, they announced that the uh, prize pool is gonna be uh, in total is gonna be at two million dollars, with Incredible. one million dollars going to the winner of the tournament. So it's gonna be Wild. a really really big. Fantastic tournament to watch. You'll be able to record some great uh, commentary for next yeah, year's yeah. Well, the net for the, the Street Fighter uh, Seven. Yeah. <laughs> well, with the, I guess with the million dollars, I can probably buy three quarters of a house in Toronto if I I enter. That's true. <laughs> so true. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. I've got one more question out of my list, and then I've got a few questions from different people from, that okay. uh, follow EP. But one of the my question is. Uh, uh, the battle damage is awesome. I've yes. always liked that when there's some interactive elements, whether there's a background that breaks out or you fall a, a, to a, a different level or whatever. But battle mm -hmm. damage has been in tons of games over the past. Does it affect the performance of the of you or the player that you're hurting when you when you damage them a little bit? Uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have any. Um, just cosmetic. Yeah, it's just cosmetic because you know we don't want to have you know a situation where. You know, you have battle damage, and all of a sudden you can't throw punches or kicks anymore. That's kind of like unfair to the player yeah. who's getting it's getting beaten up. So it's just a cosmetic thing, but it is a very cool cosmetic 
feature in the game, I think. That's awesome. Do you guys ever, you know, break the systems or test the systems just to see like in a what if scenario? Or is there they do, yeah, like they, a... they do a lot. I think I think um, you know, a lot of that stuff happens like kind of kind of like before like, you know, testing them out, they kinda of like have they have very long discussions about stuff. Like they want yep. to do this. People kind of like just table stuff and say, hey, what if we did what if we did this? And it becomes like a whole kind of talk kind of thing. Because you know, oh. uh getting to the implementation st- stage means that, you know, more or less you're probably gonna do it. And you know, instead of like, you know, doing that work and then throwing it out, it's better just to like kind of like talk about it more. Right. So right. Yeah. yeah. And and at the end of the day, because it's become such an important part of the industry. It's an esports game, yes. and it needs to be. It needs to play at a super hyper competitive level. At that's what that's a main part of the product that you're making. Right, right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to handicap those kind of players in that kind totally. of competitive environment. Sure, gotcha, gotcha. Um, this I didn't have this down as a question, but I just thought of this because I have uh, viewers. Everybody's got viewers. Everybody's got people in their lives that that uh, are dealing with some kind of physical disability of some kind. And I've thought about this idea of a fighting game or fighting character in a wheelchair. And I'm wondering if Street Fighter's ever done that. And if that is something that that might be, that you might want to take back to the team for the future. Oh, sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, we don't have that in Street Fighter right now. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but like even in, in the original final fight, the final boss was a guy in a wheelchair with a hard yeah. gun, so you know, <laughs> you never know. He might, he might make a return Very someday. Cool. Uh, but you cool. know, I think the the team is always looking for you know cool concepts. I think it's getting it's getting more and more difficult to you know make someone make a character that's you know instantly appealing, but also you know fresh and unique at the same time because we're going sure. through so many different archetypes right now. And I think um, you know, touching on something like that, you know, a character might be blind or deaf or, you know, innovative or some, cool. you know, some other yeah. one, you know, otherwise, you know, uh, yeah. you know, have a disability. I think that's a really cool concept. Other fighting games have done that before. I think um Guilty Cure has a character like that that's kind yeah. of bedridden. So like his bed is like a monster bed and attacks for him while he's like kind of comatose and which is very interesting uh but i think yeah i think street fighter could definitely use a character like that in the future in the future i think it'd be cool yeah i think it'd be really cool um okay let's get into some of the uh the viewer questions this one's from aragorn 7884 and when you mentioned a blind fighter this is this is what spurred me wanted to ask this because i thought of matt murdoch uh a new marvel versus capcom with a question mark Anything uh, you want to announce today, Andrew? Nothing, nothing, I can, nothing I can announce for that. No comment. Um, you know, I think I think everyone wants that, but oh yeah, that's something that's something that's gonna have have to happen at a higher level. That's not that's uh, not my pay uh, well, skill. <laughs> it would be wild if um, you guys could take the uh, the world tour mode and apply it to a Marvel versus Capcom. Oh yeah, that would be that would be amazing. Like just kind of flying around like Iron Man in, in Metro City. That that would be amazing. Incredible. Cool. Yes. Red Blue ninety four seventy eight says vaguely, what roster size is Capcom vaguely hoping to end with? Our franchise cross. Uh, there's he asked three questions. So one, mm-hmm. his first question is vaguely, what size are you hoping to end with? And you might not be able to answer that. I don't think I don't think I can answer that. I think to, to be honest, I think it has to. That's going to be kind of related to how the game performs in terms of sales. Sure. Uh, because you know if the game does does do really well then you know um the team might decide okay we'll uh we'll do more seasons more characters but if the team doesn't do it well then they might have to reconsider 
you know, their, their current plans might have to like you know cut characters and whatnot. So yeah, it yeah. really depends on how this game performs, how many units we can sell and whatnot. Um, so if you want more characters, then you're gonna have to like help us sell more by the game, game basically. <laughs> yeah. basically. <laughs> uh, okay, and now our franchise crossovers off the table beyond costumes. Again, you probably can't tell us. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it, I don't think they're off the off the table. Um, I just I just I do know that it is just very difficult to do that, even within Capcom, mm -hmm. just because um, of all the legal legalities behind just game development in in general right because you know especially with um especially like with voice recording right. um you know there are like all these contracts like you can use voices for this game but you can't use it for this game but if you want to use it for the for that other game you're gonna have to you know update contracts and stuff like that and it, like a lot of that stuff like you know all those crossovers are usually like kind of like um kind of like not done mainly because of those reasons because of like right. legalities of it instead of like you know people don't want to do it because i think everyone wants to do that but then once you kind of like dig deeper into the details of what's possible legally and whatnot that's where people yeah, realize you're, oh you know yeah it's like you're almost scoping a whole new game in a way right when you start yeah, adding yeah, yeah, all exactly, of the other characters exactly yeah yeah and i i think i think that's like the one thing that you know if we can make things a lot easier like in terms of like um, you know, reusing reusing video in that kind of sense, that that would be really great because you know we can reuse like you know like texture assets and whatnot because you know Capcom is making the assets, we can reuse it of course right because it's our property. But you know, let's say you have um, Leon from Resident Evil Four, and you know we can use his voice for Resident Evil Four because that's why we recorded it. But that doesn't mean we can use it for Street Fighter, right? Like yeah. we like we have to like look into the, all that kind of stuff, and sometimes it's just too much of a hassle for a lot of people because they have to concentrate on other things for the game as well. Yeah, and you know, and, and there's something to be said about trying to like be holistic, you know, with the 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 brand you're trying to create as well, and sort of keep its integrity too, right? And, right, right, exactly. Yeah, you don't want to, yeah. like you know traditionally Street Fighter has not really introduced you know just characters into yeah. their games you know we don't you know I'm not, i know a lot of other fighting games like you know tekken has uh negan from walking dead and Noctis fancy 15 they introduced these guest characters yeah um, but street Fighter has traditionally not done that they've right. just instead tried to take characters from the capcom universe as you know just like costumes and whatnot so it's uh you know that's kind of like the stance that the uh the team has right yeah. now um yeah. you know that might change in the future um you know if they decide that it's worth doing but at this time we're not really planning to do anything like that cool okay um adnan uh Qureshi says how hard is it to find the balance on which street fighter characters return to a new roster versus making brand new characters uh i think that is actually kind of difficult because there's because you know the franchise has been around for like 30 years there's yeah. so many new so many characters introduced and everybody to wants every character yeah everyone wants every character <laughs> and like some characters you know a group of people want but they're just not that popular and there are yeah. some characters that are super popular but haven't but you know people feel like oh you know they appeared in this game so it's kind of like overkill to bring them in a new game kind of thing yeah. So there's always that balance that, that has to be struck between you know bringing a new an old character back versus creating a, a totally new character. Um, yeah. But I think what also, excites you more? Do you like seeing the new characters, or do you 
uh, or do you, are you, you know, f- feel that nostalgic and that fondness for the, for the classics? I, I think as a fan, I like old characters, but creatively, like as a, someone who writes dialogue and all that stuff, I prefer the new characters because I like to like experiment with stuff. Sure. And, you know, let's say, let's say, you know, instead of Lily, we're bringing T-Hawk back to the game, you know, he already yeah. has kind of his established characteristics and whatnot. So I'm kind of just like writing his character in his voice that we've always done for the past couple right. of years. Right. Um, but with Lily and she's like, you know, a mini T-Hawk, mini female T-Hawk, she has her own personality. She has her own like likes and dislikes. It's more fun for me to kind of experiment with her, play around with her character and, you know, write her lines because it's a totally, it's a brand new character. I can do whatever I want to, you know, in that sense. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You make them your own, which is awesome. Um, and this is another character-based one. This is from Patrick Emmert at Castlevania 86 says with such a huge amount of characters from SF history, what goes into who makes the cut of making it into the game? That's a good question. Like, how do you, who decides that? Oh, uh, that'll be the director. Yeah. He's a, he's got a huge, like, uh, vault of knowledge in his brain about all the characters, not of, not only from Street Fighter, but like from the Final Fantasy universe, because they're, they're basically interconnected at this point. Sure. Um, yeah. There are a lot of Final Fantasy characters coming into Street Fighter, like, you know, we had Cody and Guy, Cody, and Poison, yeah, right. and Hugo. Yeah. And so they're kind of like, you know, combining those two universes together. And so he kind of makes the final decision of what characters he wants to bring. And of course, you know, he's not, it's not that he's going to decide everything. He's obviously going to listen to the people around him um, for ideas. And I think that's one of his strengths as a director. He's an extremely nice guy. He's very open to hearing people's opinions. You know, he's, well, at the end, he's the official decision decision maker. But you know, if, for example, me on a whim say, I want Makoto in the next Street Fighter game, I'll take that into consideration. I'll be like, okay, well, thanks for the thanks for the feedback. You know, we'll think about it, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, he's the one who's gonna, you know, he's the one who's gonna have the final call on that on the lineup. Yeah, and I guess part of the thinking with every one of the because we're talking about a franchise over decades now yeah. is you want every game to kind of stand apart from the other ones, and the, yeah, exactly. these are the choices that do it right. Like th- this is what this game stands for. Yeah, exactly. And I think also, especially for Super Six, I think one of the things one of the aims for this game was to kind of appeal to a younger audience because you know. Cool. There are a lot of people who have played Street Fighter in the past and, you know, maybe just like you and me, we're now like, you know, in our 30s and 40s. And, you know, there's always a need to appeal to the teenagers or to the people in their 20s right now and to bring back a character that is might be a little bit older, might be might be appealing to some. But, you know, you want to have something that appeals to the sensibilities of you know a younger audience. And I think that's what we do with especially with uh, Kimberly. She's the best example of that. Um, in Street Fighter Six, she's, uh, you know, she's a, she's a high school girl um, who has she has some some stuff that appeals to like older generation. Like she's into like '80s hip hop and stuff like that. She carry, carries around the Walkman. She doesn't have like, who isn't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, she doesn't use she doesn't use a uh, smartphone for for music. She uses, she uses a cassette Walkman, right? So she's got these kind of things going on with her. So, you know, that's kind of one of the things that. Um, the director and also the team in general, they kind of pay attention to like, you know, how can we appeal to people who haven't played Street right. Fighter? Because that's really important for us. 
Totally. And that's a big part of the dynamic controls and the new kind of control schematics that you have in yeah, there yeah, too, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I think more the modern controls and dynamic controls, that's like something that is it's not only for like the new players, it's also for people who have played Street Fighter 2 in the past, but you know, they don't really have time to learn yeah. all the new or or they don't have and... a six button controller. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They just have the D-pads. I, I mean, I, when I saw that, I know that there's some pushback from the hardcores out there yeah. on simplifying anything, but of course it makes sense. We're all using four button D-pads, you know, and, and yeah, many yeah, of us yeah. have had so many consoles over the years and we bought six button fighting sticks that don't work with the new machine. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it so it makes make sense. It makes total sense to simplify it for people out there yeah. and and to make it for the new controllers. Yeah, I think and I think I think a lot of um, you know, a lot of the um, older generations like you know who are going to stick with the classic controls. But they, I think what they don't get is that we're not really taking that away from them. That's yeah. still there in the game. That's and they can use it. We're just adding something, an alternative you know, control scheme for right. a different audience. And is that one know, of the rules that you can toggle when you play with somebody that it has to be classic controls versus uh dynamic controls? Uh there's there's no toggle for that, but you can see who's using it. Like when especially if you're playing online, you can see there's like a little icon that says, you know, this person is playing modern controls, this play person's playing classic controls. But right. you know, in my opinion, I think if you know people who are using classic controls are complaining that someone's using modern controls my advice would be like, well, that means that you just have to get better. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if, 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 you, if, you, if you feel that you're so hardcore and competitive, then you know that you just have to get better so that that doesn't happen again. That's just kind of the thing. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you and know, anybody, anybody good at the game right out of the gate has played it for a while with classic controls, right? So if they yeah, switch yeah. over to modern controls and start kicking butt, it's not like you make, when you play modern controls, it doesn't, make it easier no no it doesn't actually i think it actually makes it more there's actually limitations to modern control because mm. um you know with classic controls you have your six button layout so you have access to all of your attacks right from the get-go but from with modern controls you only have a limited set of attacks right. and you can't really control a lot of like the fun the, the minute details of battle with modern controls and there's also there's also a slight uh, da damage reduction or all the attacks, so you're not doing full damage. And so you guys control. balanced all of that too, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they balance all of it. So like you know, you're not doing like you know full damage in modern controls. You have to go to classic controls for that. But right. it's just easier to do things in modern controls. So they kind of like took that into consideration. I mean, you guys know what you're doing. <laughs> We've got a great one from uh, John Yamtov. Will we see Steam Deck support on day one for Street Fighter Six? I'm not too sure about the official support. I do know that people have been playing around with Steam Deck and yeah. the demo, and yeah. they've gotten they've gotten to work like at you know 60 frames per second. So, um, from what I know, it works just fine. Um, I'm awesome. not too sure about the online component though, but that's that's a different story, I think. That's awesome. Can I play offline? This is from Eddie Rizzo, 3282. Can you play the game without having to log in? Oh yeah, you can play the game offline. That, that's no problem. Yeah. Wicked. That's uh, great. Of course, that's yeah, make... of course, of course, you can't uh, go to the battle hub because that's online only thing. Um, yep. But like um, World Tour mode, that's completely offline. Uh, a lot of um, fighting ground that's offline, except for the you know rank match, casual match kind of thing. Those modes. Yeah. Everything else is everything else can be played offline. 
Well, listen, pal, this this was an incredible conversation with you, and I'm so grateful that you had the time to be able to take it with me and, and uh, dig into this game. I haven't played it yet, but I'm going to say congratulations because this thing just looks marvelous, and I I cannot wait to get it in my hot little hands. Awesome, thanks a lot. I mean, it's been it's been a long road for the whole team. Uh, you know, there have been uh, it's, it's just packed with content, so it's been kind of like nonstop. And even even now, like because because uh, at the time of this recording, it's about three weeks from launch, and we're still working on the game because I bet there's you are. So yeah. much, there's so much things to do. I think the whole team put their hearts into this game, so I'm hoping that everyone gets a chance to play it. Once we make some announcements in the future, I think people are going to be extremely extremely happy with what this title has in store for them. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you, Andrew. Congratulations, my friend. I can't wait to see you again in person. I can't wait to come back to Osaka and and. Uh, Hopefully it'll be in the not too distant future, man. Yeah, Maybe at a tournament yeah. or something. It'd be incredible. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm looking forward to that right. too. All right, brother. You take care. All right, and cool. uh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for coming to the basement. Thank you.